Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm with a proclamation the faith of our heart, the promise that relates to the coming of Jesus Christ, when He will come down to be glorified in His saints in order to judge those that have departed, the wicked and the lawless, to judge the stiff Israel and to judge this world that has in has been led to immortality, evil, and lawlessness. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your spirit Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Gaidi into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The Book of Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it, then you will find rest for your souls. With these words, these are words that Jeremiah wrote, that our pastor has chosen as a call for the church to return to the old path of good. And so returning to the old path of good. The opportunity to find or to return to the old path of good is the opportunity to, com- to come into the kingdom of heaven through the narrow gate, which in scripture are defined as the elementary teaching or more accurately the governing teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. Matthew seven thirteen fourteen, it is written, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. This was a response he gave when he was asked the question, when we hear you, it's as if a catastrophically small number of people are saved. And so he then explained the narrow gate and narrow path. And as we've noted earlier, to return to the old path of good or find the narrow gate in the teaching of Jesus Christ is not something many achieve. And this, per the many statements of Christ, means that not many who do to their stiff neck and ignorance will find the narrow gate in the elementary teaching of Christ, but will instead inherit eternal destruction 
but those who will humble their heart before God and will become his student will be able to enter the narrow gate and walk the narrow path, which is the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ, will inherit eternal life. And so Jesus determined his true disciples based on how they reacted on uh, reacted to his words and so those who stumbled on his words and so they told Jesus there are a lot of people there are a lot of people following you but he said these are uh, trees that my heavenly father has not planted and uh, they ask he then asked them do you also want to leave as they are leaving and so Jesus determines who are his based on how they behave when it comes to his word. And so all those who, whom I have called, Jesus says, from this multitude of the called, I select my chosen. And this is based on how they will react to my truth, to, my, to the word of God. And so as our pastor says, the way we treat the word, you can't have the word of God without the teaching of Jesus Christ. You can't enter through the narrow gates uh, without the teaching of Christ. To go enter through the narrow gate, you need to leave something, you need to agree something, you need to follow someone, and you need to do something. And all of this you can find in the Word of God, in the body of Christ. As a basis for a study of the old path of good, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was successfully able to sh- ensure and exact definitions explain the consistency of the order that exists in the teaching of Christ. And our pastor has presented this place of scripture, Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, in a more elaborated format based on how the original uh, states it or shows it. And so one, of course, who is inspired by the Holy Spirit can only be able to elaborate the true essence of what it is saying. Therefore, sprinkling yourself with the elementary principles of Christ and clothing yourself with the armor of light, which consists in the rule of this teaching, we will build ourselves into a house of God because it is not possible to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of the hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And so this is what you need to sprinkle yourself with so that the priest can sprinkle you you need, to fir- you need to first have built the tabernacle and have all of the possessions of the tabernacle in their correct place, their proper place. And then you need to hallow all these things. You need to consecrate all these things. And then was the Lord able to work with the high priest in the tabernacle? The Word of God does all of this. The teaching of Jesus Christ does all of this. And if we look in the translation... Uh, in the translation as it is in the Bible, Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, that it says, uh, leaving the elementary teachings of Christ. And so, the semantics, the words, uh, unfortunately, the lawless and the and the wicked, they understand uh, these places of Scripture incorrectly and interpret them incol- incorrectly. But if you say leaving, leaving, where it says in the Bible, uh, love, uh, the pure milk of the word, by which you are able to grow into salvation. And you could have said that they uh, could have written it uh, 
put away or leave, or you could say leave the pure milk of the word going on to perfection or going on to maturity. And so the milk is, the symbol, symbol of this is not just uh, our origins, but also a foundation. And you can't leave your foundations. What does it mean to leave? And so the word leave is to leave with ourself, to put into our foundation, to use as a material for building. For the lawless and the wicked, to leave is to literally throw out, to put it far away, to forget forever, to attract yourself, become attracted by something different, something that Christ did not teach. And so we have selected this wonderful lot, one of the blessings of Gad, if you remember, in what way Moses blessed the patriarch Gad. He said that this patriarch had selected the first fruits of the earth, the first fruits. And when he had selected the first fruits, he was then honored by the lawgivers. He, because of choosing the first fruits, was then respected and honored and this opened the lot, n- not just of the salvation of our spirit, but also salvation of our soul and redemption of our body. When the patriarch had selected the first fruits of the earth, the teaching of Christ, they didn't throw them. He didn't throw them out. He chose them. And in these first fruits, in this elementary teaching, is the lot. And I want to honor you. When the patriarch Gad heard that there's a teaching there, the absolute salvation of spirit, soul, and body. He came with the other heads of the nations to fulfill what is righteous and what is judgment. The twelve patriarchs, twelve apostles. And so we see that the first fruits is a great destiny, and if a person is forsaking these first fruits, this elementary teaching, then he will never be able to be clothed into the resurrection of Christ. This teaching is not for him then. And so the symbol, as we've seen, this teaching, we see it in the river that flowed from Eden and then split into four rivers. This is the elementary teaching of Christ, each of which has a trinity having various functions, which altogether make up 12 functions. You see where the Lord placed his first fruits in his fundamental teaching he placed it in the very first book in the book of Genesis he had shown this uh, and he showed that Adam needed to collaborate with this so that he can yield blessing and not curses as in the time of tithes we were reading our pastor uh, explained when do we when we experience shipwreck we don't obey the Word of God we don't collaborate our our heart that is cleansed from dead works, with a good conscience is cleansed from dead works, with the Word of God. We don't collaborate the two. And such a person, unfortunately, who doesn't do this, <clears throat> will absolutely experience shipwreck in their faith. And today, many uh, leaders, so-called leaders, and they bury them uh, very 
beautifully with uh, amazing uh, in amazing ways that they 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 performed their their funerals, but they did not have a good conscience and they did not have faith. Studying the doctrine of baptisms, we note that they are one in the essence that all three forms of baptism submerge us into the death of the Lord Jesus, but fulfill different functions. We continue to study the teach the doctrine of baptisms, <clears throat> but we're talking about here for uh, the sh- identifying what uh, the doctrine of baptisms is in general. Pastor uh, wanted he made it very clear that we are not to study these um, independent from the other, not studying just one de- independent of the other. They are one, they, and you cannot uh, have the first without the third one or the third without the first. They all have to be together. This is all one truth. And we will see further how they are interlinked with one another. And so the main function that the death of Christ is called to fulfill in the baptism of water is to separate a person from the world, which lies in evil. The main function that the death of Christ is called to fulfill in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to separate us from the sinful life of our fathers. And the main function that the death of Christ is called to fulfill in the baptism of fire is to separate our new man from the old man. Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandal I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The purpose of each of the three baptisms, apart from their primary function, which differentiate the one baptism from the other, there is yet another series of purposes that do not work without one another, since they are dependent upon one another and identify the truthful nature of one the other. In a particular format, as much as God has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already studied the doctrine of the baptism of water and the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, we'll immediately turn our attention to the study of the doctrine of the baptism of fire, which within the foundation of the wall of the New Jerusalem is made of the precious Chalcedony and is the third foundation. Revelation 21.19, the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, the third foundation, Chalcedony. The baptism of fire, third foundation, Chalcedony. In the previous service, we had the opportunity to study the first part of the baptism of fire, and today we will continue speaking about the second part of the baptism of fire. Luke 3.16 John answered saying to all I indeed baptize you with water but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose he will baptize you with with the Holy Spirit and fire. The fire in the twinkling of the precious and mysterious stone Chalcedony identifies the atmosphere of the third foundation of the wall of the New Jerusalem which we have begun to study is the revelation of the Heavenly Father where He reveals Himself in His name, Fire. The precious Chalcedony is only mentioned once in Scripture in the third foundation of the wall of the New Jerusalem, which identifies the unique power and purpose contained in the baptism of fire. You see how the Lord treats these stones. He revealed this stone and 
If you know in the world to be able to see the most beautiful or most expensive and precious of stones, you need to go through security. You need to be able to be able to pass even getting into the building to see these things uh, is is it's very restricted and requires uh, uh, additional steps in order for you to be able to see. Chalcedony, just like any precious stone is living material or substance with a streamlined structure of development and growth. That means that the stone grows. <laughs> it's active material that continues to grow. There are some that do not, and but this is a type that does. It's organic uh, <clears throat> substance. It grows. It consists of minerals with a dense crypto-crystalline variation of quartz, able to integrate and change in appearance in similar minerals which belong to precious stones. In other words, the, the chal chalcedony can, with its program, it can come into a different stone and uh, because of it, the way that its, crystal, its crystals are, can it transform uh, uh, this particular stone into its own or or into its own image or into its itself in its own appearance in com in comparison to the other stones or other precious stones this is the least studied and least understood mineral in the scientific world they call the stone a lunar stone carnelian sardonyx or sardar However, the most fascinating and mysterious thing about the Chalcedony is the fact that all of the subsequent foundations in the wall of the New Jerusalem are variations of Chalcedony. <clears throat> this once more confirms the truth that the doctrine of baptisms is the root system from which the tree of life grows or upon which the entire infrastructure of the kingdom of heaven is built within man. And so, according to this crystal, the Lord determines our relationship with Him in the baptism of fire. When you hear people say such, make statements uh, that at least if I can get to the porch or the threshold of heaven, I'll be happy. <clears throat> or at least if I can speak in tongues, this guarantees my rapture or that I'll be saved. And so, Chalcedony, these are people who understand what the essence of the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire are. And so pastor says, preach these or teach them, explain them as one, because that's what they are. There's not an alternative. There's no first, second, or third in the, in the, in the fact that they can be individually. They have to be united together. However, to understand the individual qualities of this foundation, we will turn to that virtue that directly is linked to the name fire and is this fire. This is jealousy coming from God who in his eternal nature is jealous. In scripture, the name of God in the form of, je of a jealous one is noted seven times, and every time the name jealous one demonstrates itself in the name fire, and the name fire demonstrates itself in the name jealous one. Deuteronomy 4.24 For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. <clears throat> and so when we speak, of the baptism of fire, we're talking about Chalcedony, 
We're saying that the Lord is an all-consuming fire. He is a jealous God. In the given combination of names, we conclude that a demonstration of godly fire is a demonstration of godly jealousy. This is what it says about jealousy in Songs of Solomon 8.6. Jealousy as cruel as the grave, its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. In this revelation, we can see that God's jealousy, demonstrated in a significantly strong flame, identifies a significantly strong level of God's love agape. And so how do we determine the Lord's strong love for us is because of his strong jealousy for, for us, for his church. <clears throat> Exodus 34, 12 through 16. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst, but you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot with their gods, and make sacrifice to their gods, and one of them invites you, and you eat of the sacrifice, and you take of his daughters for your sons, and his, and his daughters play the harlot with their gods, and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. <clears throat> And so the words we've noted here, his name Jealous, or a God who is jealous. Practically all Ten Commandments were called to honor and stand guard of this wonderful and fearful name of God, so that it be by the, so that it by the abilities of its jealousy demonstrated in fire could protect Israel and devour the enemy who rises up against them. Nahum 1, 2, God is jealous, and the Lord avenges, the Lord avenges and is furious, and the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. Mm. <clears throat> According to the given statement, we could conclude that the powers contained in the baptism of fire are called to protect us from the enemy. Where can we receive protection from the enemy in the baptism of fire? Because the Lord... <clears throat> reveals his fire, that means he reveals his jealousy, that means he reveals his vengeance. And so, <clears throat> if you want the Lord's protection, you need to be within this baptism of fire. There's no other way. And so, when we're referring to someone who is uh, an avenger, then he is one who is jealous, he is our protector. And so there was a nations that were trying to find their way around these commandments of God and not follow in the way that the Lord has commanded. According to the given statement, we conclude that the powers contained in the baptism of fire are called to protect us from our enemy. We, the 
<clears throat> with this, we need to consider that God being a jealous God demonstrated in a consuming fire does not show partiality, which is why it comes. he comes to our defense and the defense of every person who behaves righteously. Acts 10, 34, 35, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. <clears throat> and so he says, again here, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. If you look deeper, the baptism of fire first protects in man the all-consuming holiness of the Father, which is a demonstration of his all-consuming jealousy. What does the Lord protect? He protects in man his, hol- his holiness. God protects in us his holiness. And so one who has this all-consuming jealousy inside of him is acceptable, is pleasant to God. God favors them. The Lord is not required to protect us. The Lord protects one thing, his holiness in man. And so if you say, I'm a, Pente- uh, I'm a Pente- of the Pentecost congregation, I speak in tongues, I, <clears throat> I'm baptized in water. If you don't have holiness in yourself, then likely your holiness, your your person, this person can be blotted out of the book of life. And so what again does the Lord protect? What does he defend his holiness inside of us? <clears throat> and when a person does not demonstrate works of holiness, you need to go from the fruits of justification that we not by our actions or our words because we're originating from God so that we can grow the fruits of righteousness where we can in our actions and our words will be able to demonstrate God's holiness. Holiness that's produced in fruits of righteousness. <clears throat> it's demonstrated and produced in fruits of righteousness. And so when a person does not produce the fruits of holiness, then God, by the power of his all-consuming fire, blots out the name of this person from the book of life and destroys him with the fire of his jealousy. And so it's necessary to, to produce fruits of holiness or justification <clears throat> Where a person in the covenant of salt begins to demonstrate holiness, it will protect us from our enemies. <clears throat> Joshua twenty four nineteen twenty, But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and, and serve foreign gods, then He will turn <clears throat> and do you harm and consume you after He has done you good. And so after in the baptism of water, he did good to me. I found favor in his sight. And now, <clears throat> and so if you have received, as Mary said, if I found favor in your sight, In the in the ancient times, if a if a king would not stretch out a scepter to someone who would enter his presence, in the presence of a king, then this person would be let out and killed. But in Esther's case, if you remember, she the the king stretched out a scepter to her. 
And so she re- she found favor in his sight, and so we find favor in the sight of the king, and in the same way. Therefore, it is specifically God's nature, his flaming and all-consuming jealousy, reflect, reflected in the precious Chalcedony, that demonstrates the qualities of the third foundation of the wall of the New Jerusalem. But to understand the individual quality of jealousy, identifying the character of this foundation, we will look at the name that is written upon this foundation and the name given to this foundation. This is because specifically the name of the Apostle is what identifies the virtue and nature of the Chalcedony, which within this foundation represents the jealousy of God. At the same time, the foundation itself made of Chalcedony identifies work which God does by the power contained in His name. The name that is written upon the Chalcedony represents the virtue of this stone Chalcedony itself represents the work that God does using the powers that are contained in the name that are upon the stone. And so upon every foundation, upon every precious stone, there's a name. And we also, it's not just uh, Simon or uh, called Cephas or uh, James, son of Zebedee, for us to be able to keep our salvation we need to be given a white stone and why so that upon it would be a new name it turns out that it's not just apostles or patriarchs are written upon stones there's also a stone where i will be written and so because of justification we begin to produce fruits of righteousness he carves our name out and our names will never be blotted out of the book of life. I will speak your name before the Father and all the angels. When our names, when this is when our names will be written into the book of life, or written upon this white, also written upon this white stone. And so the name that was written upon the thir- the written upon the stone is the virtue, <clears throat> and the stone itself identifies again the work which which God does by the power contained in the name that is on it. And these powers in the third foundation, as we already have learned, is the all-consuming fire of jealousy of the Heavenly Father. And the name that is written upon the third foundation of the wall of the New Jerusalem is the name James, son of Zebedee. <clears throat> Matthew 10.2 Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and second, Andrew, his brother, third, James, the son of Zebedee. Studying the name of the apostles who are written upon the twelve foundations of the wall, we need to consider that the name of the apostle can consist of more than one name, sometimes two and sometimes even three. For example, in the list of the names of the apostles, there are two individual Jameses, and the difference between the two James consists in their second name. James, the name written in the third foundation, is James, son of Zebedee. The name written upon the ninth foundation is also James, but James, son of Alphaeus. According to scripture, the combination of names belonging to the apostle, the name given to the third foundation of the wall of the New Jerusalem is is James uh, Zebedee. And this is Bonerges. 
James Zebedee Benerges. Mark 3, 14 through 17. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder. In the literal sense, the name Bonerges means son of thunder, proclaimer of the wrath of God, performer of the wrath of God, demonstrator of God's jealousy, and sons of God's fire. And so this is not James, just James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. We also will have these qualities. A person who is baptized in fire. At the foundation of the name James, lies the root a cab, which means to leave a footprint, protect, conquer. This means James, he holds on to the foot. James, he will leave a footprint and so the because of this the religious world will hate him uh, and our pastor even as a young man uh, had this impact on people they immediately sensed that there was danger to their religious uh, ways they sensed that authority and wisdom that pastor had uh, because he spoke the truth it's necessary to have these qualities if you're a child of God you will be able to uh, bring people to this kind of situation to the bring people this kind of um, uh, to bring them to uh, as if were a state of understanding that this is something different and so again James he holds on to the foot he will leave a footprint he will protect he will conquer over or overcome the name of the father of Jacob Zebedee in Hebrew fisherman in Greek the Lord will give or the gift of God <clears throat> the combination of these two names means that it is by the means of the gift of grace that God will leave his footprint, will protect, and will uphold a victory. If you say uh, James Zebedee, hmm. and so uh, when he had these names already, James and Zebedee, he also gave him the name, Jesus also added that name, Bonerges, to him. And so James, son of Zebedee, the Lord, because of his grace, will leave a footprint, will give him victory. The name of... And so he, the combination of these two names means that he will be able to uh, show this, demonstrate this fire of his jealousy, which is why he gave him the name, or gave them the name, Banerges. Therefore, the meaning of these three names together in the third foundation of the wall of the New Jerusalem, God will protect His holiness in man freely by His grace purposed in the virtue of His burning and consuming jealousy. And so here we see all three names of J <clears throat> James, Zebedee, and Benerges. The Lord will protect, He will protect what? His holiness in man freely by His grace, and this is for the purpose 
of the virtue of his burning and all-consuming jealousy. <clears throat> this is the grace of God. And we'll talk about this grace of God a little bit more. And it's all in the all-consuming jealousy of God, all-consuming fire of God. If you know, as we were, people were coming to America or immigrating, they were told, oh, they give everything for free there. But that's not how it works with God. Things are given differently with God, and we will see this, uh, how we receive it and how we grow it. Let's identify the baptism of fire, where a person will be buried in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's look at seven of them, and we will stop and study the seventh in a little more, more in depth. Baptism of fire in the heart of man the baptism of fire where the Holy Spirit buries a person in the death of Christ is the establishment of the kingdom of God in the heart of man. The baptism of fire within the heart of man will be inconspicuous because it will function within the realm of our spirit and consequently the baptism of fire will not be able to be felt in the emotions of man but you will be able to identify it by your ability to rule or govern your emotions. And so again, you may be able to determine the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You receive speak, the the speaking of tongues, and you've received, uh, but <clears throat> the baptism of fires, you will not be able to experience or sense it in your emotions or feelings. You will be able to exp- uh, determine this by your ability to govern your emotions and feelings. Luke seventeen twenty twenty one. The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. And so again, the kingdom of heaven comes, the kingdom of God, when we have the ability to rule over our emotions. It comes in a way that is not noticeable or, or is not visible in the physical world. Baptism of fire, where the Holy Spirit buries a person in the death of Christ, is a moment and state where a person, because of the zeal of his dedication to God, becomes a burnt offering. Mark 9.49 For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Will be seasoned with salt and with fire. To be seasoned with God's fire of jealousy in the baptism of fire is to be protected from the decay of sin while simultaneously being separated that you can then receive the ability to demonstrate the fruits of holiness. The Lord protects us from decay by the means of this fire. He also separates us from our enemies and by the means of this fire He destroys our enemies and forth He receives us four things that happen in the baptism of fire. For everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. And so salt protects from decay. Fire, it destroys. 
And so in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> or the, the water, Holy Spirit, and fire, when we receive baptism of, of, the, of water first, the Lord protects us with His holiness. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we begin to collaborate with God in the covenant of salt, we begin to demonstrate holiness. He then begins to separate us from corruption and decay. And in the baptism of fire, he, by the means of this fire, destroys sin. And the baptism of fire finishes with the Lord coming upon us as uh, and, ta- and takes us, devours us as a burnt offering. We studied in, in the previous uh, Sunday service uh, of the cup, the cup that needs to be filled. And so these are people that, uh, peacemakers that fill the cup, these are people who who mourn for the church, these are people who are uh, in the process of our baptism of the water, Holy Spirit, and fire, we, we, we then fill this uh, this cup. And to fill this cup, we need to do this so that the Lord, with his baptism of fire, can receive us as a burnt offering. But for the Lord to receive us, we need to first protect ourselves from our enemies and then separate ourselves from our enemies and in the baptism of fires, destroy our enemies. And when the Lord protects us and separates us and destroys our enemies inside of inside of us, then we will be this burnt offering for Him. Our purpose, our, our goal while we're here on earth is to fill this cup with the goodness of God. When the Lord uh, was faced with that cup in the Gethsemane hill where He was praying, In Gethsemane, we had we had swapped with Jesus Christ the cup that we were supposed to, and so that are that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, those who may mourn. And so those things that were in us and in our children, the sins is what he had to drink. So, and then once he did, he we drank it. He began to be he was he was unbeaten, and as we know, um, and so that's why when we uh, take part in the communion, we drink the cup, we proclaim his death till he comes, and in Gethsemane we we acknowledge that we received the bless the blessed destiny in him in the get in the Gethsemane. Uh, mount mountain on the upon that when he when this destiny was swapped with ours, and so when he drank our cup, he became sin, for, and the Father turned his face away, and when we during communion, take the bread, eat the bread, and take the cup, this cup, it is the destiny of Christ, and we have the right to take it into ourselves, because he took our destiny, took our curses, our illnesses, our sins, our wickedness and lawlessness, and what was upon him on the cross was our destiny. Salt is a symbolic metaphor of the Holy Spirit. We're looking at this second baptism. 
or or the second second part of the seasoning seasoned with salt because at first it's seasoned with fire now it's seasoned with salt it is a metaphoric uh, a symbolic metaphor of the holy spirit indicating his natural quality of holiness that first is a demonstration of his absolute non-involvement uh, to any appearance of sin or to sin as a whole second demonstrating the acts of holiness which we see in his works pursuing the goals and interests relating to the holiness of the heavenly father due to which the spirit of god is called the holy spirit <clears throat> and so what is salt or holiness that present in the holy spirit this is because he's not in any way involved with sin he's not part of it and he demonstrates works of holiness and we receive this holy spirit and we receive the salt and this fire so that we can not be also be separated from sin and demonstrate works of holiness what does this holiness do again it pr- protects us so that it can separate then us from our enemies to then destroy our enemies inside of us to then the all-consuming fire the glory of god would be able to receive us and we would become an all-consuming fire and be able to meet with him therefore identifying the word holy when it comes to the holy spirit this is eternally his eternal and natural quality and his natural state at the same time the word holiness when it comes to the holy spirit is his function or demonstration of his acts when it comes to us as the children of god the word holy members us by to the family of god and literally means redeemed by god the holiness of God, separated for God, belonging to God, taking by God into his lot, inheriting with God, belonging to the nature of God, bound by one destiny with God. And this is what it means, uh, holy. The word holiness, when it comes to us, means a demonstration in our words and actions, the holiness of God in the form of salt. And so the Lord calls us holy, and how does he demonstrate his holiness? A person does in his words and actions. Practically, a demonstration of holiness in us in the form of salt is the result of the baptism of fire in the form of the Holy Spirit, because the fire of the Holy Spirit salts a person when he comes to, comes upon him, seasons him. And so no one can be seasoned in the baptism of fire without the collaboration of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Colossians 4, 5, 6. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And so if a person is holy and he demonstrates holiness, and so he says, may your speech always be with grace and seasoned with salt. And so the attempt to demonstrate holiness in dedicating yourself as a burnt offering without being filled with the Holy Spirit in the area of the law of grace brings to spiritual blindness, arrogance, and error. The four things we need to remember, we're talking about the balance between grace and salt. salt of holiness the ability to keep a balance uh, between grace and salt isn't is wholeheartedly and absolutely the responsibility of a man 
And so as it says that you need to have your speeches, it needs to be with grace and seasoned with salt. And so when it says seasoned with salt, that doesn't mean you, uh, that properly having this godly balance that of this grace and the salt, not overusing it. And so this is the responsibility again of a man to be able to do this, uh, to keep this balance and to have these in, in his speech. And so you may see that there's a soup and a soup, uh, you can look at the, the example of a soup that's oversalted or a soup that has absolutely no salt. And so let us remember that we're the children of God and we need to have grace that is seasoned with salt, that our words and what we say, what we look at, there be salt there. And so having a good conscience, a clean conscience, uh, you don't participate in the things that the world can participates in. And so an insufficiency of salt as well as too much of it will turn grace either to depravity or into the letter which will kill. And so it is bad when you have absolutely no salt. When a person is very, very religious and uh, belittling others, but it's necessary to speak in such a way where you don't violate the sovereign rights of another. You need to have a specific wisdom to be able to approach it properly or to to have your speech. Third, it is specifically salt. We're studying uh, the a recipe of how much uh, salt you need to have, so you not over salt. That your salt, your speech not be over salted or under salted. It is specifically salt in the form of holiness that identifies and regulates proper relations with the grace of God, as well as the all-consuming and burning jealousy of God. And fourth, only ha- having this salt can grace then be called grace and not a reason for depravity. And so that is what the scriptures say about salt and how you need to have a proper amount of salt. Identifying the natural essence of grace, we came to the conclusion that grace is not something abstract. Grace is a specific and unchanging law of God. Second, this is the throne of God, which the saints are called to approach. Third, this is a specific and unchanging order of the kingdom of heaven. Fourth, it is, is it a it is a specific teaching about the kingdom of heaven. Fifth, an identification of all that the kingdom of heaven consists of. And sixth, 
a specific combination of all of who God is to us and what, and what God has done for us. And seventh is an identification of all that comes from God. And so if you come into any church and you say, and ask them, what is grace? Often the way they, that people will interpret grace is that they'll interpret it as everything is given freely. If a person is baptized in water, and so when a person is being baptized with water, you need to show him the cross that he will have to uh, experience and the nails and see if he's still willing to take, take the step. All of these identifications are based upon and obtained uh, legitimately in the New Testament of God. And there are seven uh, laws of grace. First, the law of grace in the form of the jealousy of God. It flows from the law of Moses, the law of grace in the form of the jealousy of God. is contrary to the law of Moses. It is also elevated above the law of Moses. It also cancels out the law of Moses. It also replaces the law of Moses. The law of grace in the form of the jealousy of God, it is independent of the law of Moses and the law of grace in the form of the jealousy of God is stricter than the law of Moses. And so here's what the grace of God is. You see how Pastor, how clearly Pastor has clear, clarified for us everything that grace and salt is. That grace not be in some way perverted or the meaning of it. Baptism will not allow us to pervert the holiness of God. And so people that pervert the truth, they, they pervert the essence of grace. They say everything is free. They, everything is given in the form of a seed, in the form of a guarantee, and it is given so that you can grow the fruits of righteousness in your life. And so as we can see here, that it, it this law of grace in the form of the jealousy of God, it is flows from the law of Moses, it is contrary to the law of Moses, it is elevated, it is... It cancels out the law of Moses, replaces it. <clears throat> Isaiah 9.7 Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward. Even, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What will the zeal of the Lord do? It will perform salvation. <clears throat> in Hebrew the word grace demonstrates the burning jealousy of God is linked to our inheritance in Christ Jesus and comes from the verbs to provide for to take care of and to prepare 
And so this indicates the fact that by the means of His grace, based upon the greatness of the New Testament, He has provided for and prepares for His children, which is why there where there's an absence of a mutual relationship between God and man, based upon the greatness of the New Covenant, the grace of God in the form of His jealousy does not have any legitimate field or legitimate place to be. And so again, we're talking about a contract having a mutual relationship, a a mutual agreement between God and man, and not having it. The jealousy of God does not have a place. And so the Lord shows us grace in the baptism of fire in a very elaborated format because here we find it in a a finished format. The grace that we receive in the baptism of water, this is the fruit of justification. But in the baptism of fire, we produce not fruits of justification. We are now producing fruits of righteousness. And here in the baptism of fire, We need to speak of grace, the uh, power that the Lord gives us for the salvation of our spirit, soul, and body, for the absolute salvation of ourselves, for the complete salvation of ourselves. And so we need to continuously speak of grace and what it is. And And so such a covenant, a person can only make in a certain place and not where he would like to or a time that he decides or prefers. It is a specific church that where he needs to make this covenant and he is supposed to be unified in the faith within this church uh, if he is to make a covenant like this with God. And so it needs to be, he needs to be a member and a part of the common faith. And so as, what, what, what have we seen happen in this religious churches? Baptists have separated themselves from, from other uh, congregations and uh, denominations, and a lot of these denominations have separated themselves from one another. <clears throat> you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, and as a charismatic uh, services as well, separate themselves and... and the purpose of having charisma or to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, to have this charisma, is not to pride yourself over others, but to do the will of God. And so what is this virtuous wife? The, this refers to the virtuous wife. He needs to be a member of a virtuous wife. Proverbs 18.22, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. No one by themselves can sanctify themselves or have an, or perform a full sanctification of themselves alone if he is not a member of the body of Christ. And so not being a member of your church where the Lord has revealed to man the essence of the elementary teaching of Christ, no one can experience the baptism of fire or receive into their heart the abiding kingdom of their heavenly Father. Without the church of Christ, this is not possible. Baptism of fire where the Holy Spirit has buried a person into the death of Christ. This is the only method by which you can know the will of God. Romans 12, 1, 2. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, fully acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed with the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, <coughs> acceptable, and perfect will of God. There's a big difference between <coughs> the knowledge of, of that's in your mind, the, intellect, the, the intelligence of a man, which makes a person arrogant, and the, the knowledge of the heart, which actually edifies a person. Ezekiel 28.6.10 Therefore thus is the Lord God, because you have set your heart as a heart of God, you shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of aliens, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. And so we know God because of his word and his perfect will. As students, <clears throat> baptism of fire, where the Holy Spirit uh, buries a person into the death of Christ, is the fire of jealousy. There's there's a jealousy that's not positive, but we're talking about in the positive form, jealousy. Songs of Solomon 8.6, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave, as flames are fires, a most vehement flame. And so again, jealousy here, zeal, jealousy, in the positive form. Fifth, baptism of fire where the Holy Spirit buries a person into the death of Christ is a mutual opportunity to demonstrate jealousy and diligence so that you can do good for one another. Proverbs 27.4, wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? <clears throat> Baptism of fire, where the Holy Spirit buries the person into the death of Christ, are this funeral of personal ambitions and arrogance. James 4.4.5, or 4.4-6. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture say, says in vain, the spirit who, do, who dwells in us yearns jealously? And the last, the baptism of, the, of fire, where the Holy Spirit buries a person into the, into the death of Christ, is the participation of a person in pouring out the wrath of God or the indignation of God upon the nations. Zephaniah 3.8 Therefore wait for me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder. My determination is to gather the nations to my assembly of kingdoms, to pour on them my indignation, all my fierce anger, all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. And right now we'll speak a little bit about the fire of jealousy. We would like to look at the these seven we just went through. And so, looking at the labors of pastor, these works of pastor, the cup that we were studying uh, in the last service is not suffering. Or, or are not sufferings. Yes, you experience suffering, but you need to uh, completely hear uh, everything that is involved. What does fire do? Fire protects. 
He protects us in the baptism of water. It protects us. Uh, this fire protects us from our enemy in the second phase in the Holy Spirit. It separates us from our enemies in the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in the baptism of fire, it destroys our enemy. And fourth, now that we fill the cup, the Lord devours us with his holy fire. And there's no, no suffering there anymore. The suffering was when he protected us, separated us, when he destroyed our enemies. But when all of this has happened, he, he protected, separated, and destroyed my enemy. Now, the cup is filled with the character of Christ. And now, without sorrow, he... <clears throat> this is the triumphant coronation of a person, and the Lord can then devour this burnt offering. We are now received as this burnt offering and devoured with the all-consuming fire. And so the baptism of fire where the Holy Spirit bears a person into the death of Christ is the participation of a person in pouring out uh, the indignation of God upon the nations. When a person has achieved the position where he has become this cup and the Lord has given us fire, that the Lord has received us as a full a, a, a burnt offering for himself. And when he received us as a burnt offering for himself, now the Lord pours out his fire of, of jealousy through us. When he comes for his saints, he will first demonstrate himself in his saints so that he with his saints will be able to judge the lawless and the wicked and those that are traitors to him to to judge the arrogant Jewish nation to that that are in the arrogant state uh, state and all of the wickedness also that's risen up in the world as well And so we need to lift our heads, whereas as as not lowering your head, but lift your head. And you lift your head and you say, "Come, O Lord Jesus, reveal your holiness in us and through us." If you say this in in another church that you're going to have a new body, that you're going to judge the church, judge the Jewish world, judge the nation, judge the world, judge. As Pastor has said, please don't forget hope. That at the door of this hope, the Lord will clothe us into the resurrection of Christ. At the door of our hope. What is this hope? This is Jesus Christ who will come and come to His church. Come, come for His church. That He will come to take His church. And so putting on the new body is just one of the one of the steps one of the one of the components the goal of the church is not just to put on the new bodies but this is one of the com- components but also but the goal of the church is to unite with with Jesus Christ to become one to meet with with the Lord 
and they can then take it he'll he can then take his church and enter into the uh the royal hall people who are saved uh in the blink of an eye as a form of mercy will not be present in that in that moment And this can happen very soon. The bride uh, can very soon be at the throne of Yahweh. And so a new body, a glorified body, is only one of the components, again, of there are many, and this uh, this is all they want. And so a fire of, of, of jealousy is someone who has this fire of jealousy is one who protects, who whom the Lord protects from sin, one he is separated from sin, one who whom he has destroyed the enemy or the sin in. And so the, the fire of jealousy into which a person is submerged in the baptism of fire is, is this is in a positive form this is the flaming fire that is demonstrated in in a, in a yearning and also a diligence that is presented in God's jealousy he, and we and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews 6, 11, 12. And so people sometimes will threaten or speak threats, uh, trying to intimidate or to make afraid. And these are typically cowards that would be the first to run and flee in a, in a situation of, of, of disaster. The fire of jealousy in the baptism of fire is called to promote boldness, which is a key that opens the door to a grace for timely help. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Boldness is a demonstration of zeal or jealousy that is based or founded upon knowledge of the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. The fire of jealousy in the baptism of fire is called to separate for the chosen from remnant from Jerusalem from the mountain of Zion for out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant and those who escape from Mount Zion the zeal of the Lord's the Lord of hosts will do this second Kings 1931 
And so the baptism of fire separates from sin, then condemns and separates us from sin, destroys the sin, and then this fire of God closes us and devours us as a burnt offering. The fire of jealousy and the baptism of fire <clears throat> is called to, to distribute the roles and responsibilities in the body of Christ. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, Acts 2.3. <clears throat> the fire of jealousy The fire of jealousy and the baptism of fire is called to demonstrate to be it's called to be demonstrated in the jealousy of God so that the wrath of God can be turned away. Phineas, the son of Elias, the son of Aaron the priest, he turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore say, Behold, I give him my covenant of peace, and it shall be for him, to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his, na- for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Number 25, 11-13 The fire of jealousy and the baptism of fire is called to separate the chaff from the wheat. Luke 3.17 his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse out his his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable, unquenchable fire. The fire of jealousy in the baptism of fire will promote victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark. Revelations 15:2 and I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire and those who have the victory over the beast over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name standing on the sea of glass having harps of God for the saved the fire of, of jealousy and the baptism of fire is called to burn and devour all thorns and briars that try to choke the kingdom of heaven within us. Isaiah 10, 17. So the light of Israel will be for a fire and his holy one for a flame. It will burn and devour his thrones, his thorns and his briars in one day. The fire of jealousy and the baptism of fire is called to lead a person to limitless uh, rule over the world and the throne of David and upon the throne of David. Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The seal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so these are powers that we are putting on everything that's been happening it appears that things are just uh, things that are in the world just appear to be get worse and worse and you, you hear people say do you know what's happening with Portland 
And the reason that we, uh, but we are protected, we are protected and we're in the ark. The, the more that we put on and clothe ourselves into this glory, we will be, there will be things like this in the world. The angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. The fire of jealousy in the baptism of fire is called to be demonstrated in humility before the will of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 5, 6. The fire of jealousy in the baptism of fire is called to confront fiery trials which which are to try you. 1 Peter 4, 12-13 Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And so this is not only when the Lord wants to protect us, but also separate us from sin and to destroy sin. And so the Lord protects us, the Lord separates us from sin, and He destroys sin in us, and He then takes and receives us as a uh, an offering, a burnt offering. And finally, the fire of, of jealousy in the baptism of fire is called to be demonstrated in, in silver and gold that is <clears throat> cleansed in the furnace. Revelations 3.18, I counsel you to buy from from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with the eye salve that you may see and so gold that is purified <clears throat> with fire is the word we hear and we need to purchase this eye salve so we can anoint our eyes so we can see what do we need to become free of to see the power we have in Jesus Christ. Today we talked about the baptism of fire. And I want to pray right now and I ask and call to the altar all those who have heard the call in this baptism of fire. It's important to understand the four things that the Lord does in His fire. He first protects us. He then separates us. And so if we have certain sins, lusts that continue to bother us, the Lord says, allow the Lord's fire to work. God wants this uh, fire of His to work. And after that, He separates this enemy. He'll be able to destroy our enemy. And after He has destroyed our enemy, He will be able to uh, receive us as a burnt offering to Himself. We will wait for every holy person who wants to receive this protection, wants to separate from sin and become this offering to him.
I will be praying your prayer, and I ask you to d deeply believe that the Lord is on your side. He is not against you. He has loved you with an eternal love. He has given you the work of His redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies to protect us from sin, to separate us from sin, and to destroy sin within us, so that He can then lift us up to His godly level, and so that we would be able to see his glory eternally close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to heaven this is a sign that your hands are without doubt or wrath pray together with me heavenly father in the name of jesus christ i come to you and upon this place in the church of your holy nation i open up my heart so you may see my pain my suffering my wounds that is inflicted by sin and lust which i hate and that i reject i come to you with my illness fears dishonor and a pampered dignity i ask you forgive me wash me cleanse me heal my wounds restore me protect me with the blood of your son and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with this great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May upon you the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills. May with noise the stronghold of death be thrusted out into hell. And may the stronghold of life take its place. And may this be upon you and your children. And the nation shall say, Amen. We are very grateful for the truth that we have heard. Uh, we are grateful to God for the word we have received. And so if you gather today in your cell groups, don't forget the truth that, to discuss it, what we've received. And don't forget salt and don't over salt. 
typically a person will choose something and then overdo it. Uh, don't do that in your in your speech, uh, where any you need to have grace and you also need to have salt, uh, and in such measure where you don't violate the boundaries, the sovereign rights of another person. You not want you don't want to push person away from God, but uh, and for this reason you need to have. Uh, grace and also some holiness that is some salt this will attract people to the Lord let us finish with our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen.